0: This podcast is brought to you by StormAven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StormAven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app, we're here to help you do it.
1: I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, but that's the part of life. and I'm proud of making those mistakes and they um, actually helped me to kind of improve of what I do. So I wouldn't change really anything.
0: Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormhaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy. How it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Okay, so welcome to uh, Mobile Growth and Pancakes.
2: Mate. it's great to have you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Do you want to introduce yourself quickly? A little bit sure. about you?
1: Of course. Uh, so yeah, I've been in the gaming industry for seven years uh, so far. Uh, I started my career here uh, in Slovakia at Pixel Federation. Um, I was there for five years, uh, doing a lot of uh, stuff on the UA side. Uh, and then uh, after five years, I joined Superscale. Um, and then well when I was at the Pixel Federation I started like working on uh, consultancy uh, stuff that um, uh, you know just because I just wanted to uh, get the, uh, as many experiences as possible from different game genres and uh, working with different companies brings uh, bring different challenges uh, which is great uh, for uh, gaining experiences so um, yeah um, fully working like that uh, currently uh, and also like um, very recently, um, started working closely with TripIt uh, on their game.
2: Okay, cool. So let's uh, let's talk about KPIs for a second before we talk about strategy. Um, when you're looking at the world of mobile, what KPIs are you optimizing for generally?
1: Ah, oh, come on, everybody's optimizing for <laughs> revenues. <laughs> Obviously, we need to take take a look at the LTVs or PLTVs or everything related to the monetization KPIs. Of course, I mean, uh, a different uh, game cycle uh, requires some different like uh, measurements. And uh, when, for example, when we are soft launching a game and we are in the retention stage, obviously there are no uh, monetization KPIs yet. So uh, let's say in the in the soft launch and the retention stage, we're looking at the retention numbers and the first time user experience and onboarding flow. And um, they be testing tutorials, for example, and like looking at like where players uh, churn. But then after moving to the monetization stage and like the, uh, the real life of, of after, after global launch, which is where the fun starts, obviously, then, um, then revenues and monetization is the bread and butter, I would say.
2: For sure. I mean, there's... Uh... There's obviously the the question that begs to be asked when we talk about monetizing for you know uh, optimizing for revenue, and we talk about the upcoming IDFA changes, um, you know from the UA side. Any any thoughts?
1: Don't don't even start with that. Come on. I, I, okay. I mean, um, it's a lot of podcasts and, and a lot of articles were uh, about the IDFAs. In fact, like still, there's pretty big holes in terms of the documentation. I mean. Of course, uh, we will need to start experimenting with the SKA Network framework and see um, how we are going to leverage that in terms of the post-IDFA uh, world, which obviously will change the, the whole UA um, landscape. But f- so far, I don't want to give you any um, any false ideas or any false comments because I'm about to start experimenting with how uh, it should look like with the SKA Network. So I'm keeping myself... Uh, um, just a little bit behind because there was a lot of lot that. There was a lot of uh, that was said um, during the August and just before September, and um, every podcast just ended with the uh, saying like, "We will see. It's remained <laughs> to be seen. We don't know yet." So, although it's true, but well, we will see. Let's. <laughs>
2: So I'll say one thing uh, from my end on the IDFA that I think is uh, is a fair enough prediction. the creatives have, have always been important and will always be important. My guess is when targeting options shift a bit to top of the funnel uh, on a higher level, creatives become even more important, right you're you're competing now in a in a wider marketplace to make sure you're being seen. Um so I'd love to to drill in a little bit with you about the creative side. you know what what does it take to come up with creatives that actually do something on, on your funnel.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. The, yeah, the main thing and uh, I think uh, everybody should do is, uh, and probably a lot of uh, game developers already do this and the marketing teams, is the main point is to really understand uh, the target audience uh, because I think uh, you need to know what resonates well uh, with your target audience. If it's a male or female audience, it um, doesn't matter, but you need to know the, their interests Uh, what like what's the age segment where are they you know grouping what are they looking for if they are watching some you know tv series for example uh, right now um, we found out that um, a lot of our target audience just love watching Rick and Morty and Family Guy stuff and and this type of um, this type of humor um, and series so that's, that's how we try to think about the creatives as well, to, to put some kind of humor in, inside there um, to see uh, how that resonates uh, within the target audience. And, and since we know these kind of like interests, uh, it, those creatives resonate pretty well. So uh, instead of like just um, spraying and praying, um, you need to know like, what, uh, what is the interest of, the, of your target audience. And then it makes your life uh, much easier.
2: I like that uh, that idea of using instead of maybe looking at it from the visual side, speaking that language of you respond to that sort of humor. You're, do you have an example uh, that you remember off the top of your head of some some text in there?
1: Uh, on the top of my head, we used. Um for example, we know that uh, we used, like, leveraged uh, the hype of the, of the Witcher series that, that was launched on Netflix. And we saw some, uh, some nice overlap between the target audience of, uh, of our game and then of the, of the Netflix, of the Witcher there. So we used uh, uh, one of the characters we had in the game and we made it look like a Witcher. And his, the, the name of the character was Hiltcher, Hilt, actually. And then we used the Hilt, the um, name of the character. It was a static image, and it already exploded after we just launched it on uh, on all the UA, uh, UA channels. It was like pretty nice uh, evidence that uh, it's actually working well. But then um, we also looked at... The, um, at, uh, at the humor and used this kind of like funny situation uh, when we were running the for example thanks a lot games before um so we used this um humor situation funny situation is, and used the tanks from the game in the real life situation and connected that with the, the funny moments it was resonating very well
2: how do you connect it um you know, when you're looking at the at the top of the line UA, you're trying these kind of innovative, new creative strategies. Do you find that there's a disconnect when users get into the App Store page, say, where maybe it doesn't match that creative, go through the onboarding flow? How do you kind of make sure that you're pulling the user all the way down? Yeah, so we
1: we tried um, obviously a couple of uh, fake ads uh, type of creatives as well because it was a a a big hit, let's say, and uh, I I guess it's it's working well for for a couple of um, companies. So we tried that but then we you know we saw a lot of um high click through rates and a lot of uh, good performing um creatives on the um, for for example on Facebook but then we saw like a very low conversion rates in in the app store page so it definitely needs to be connected to what people see in the in the in the creative and then what they see in the in store so the expectations needs to be created also on, on the creative level and then they need to be met on the app store and then obviously on the on the onboarding funnel so they when they got into the game they are not surprised that much <laughs> it's it's like very different game
2: and yeah it's uh well, we won't mention uh you know the company best known for, for such a strategy <laughs> right now but uh I guess, you know, what, what happens, one of the the first points, which is, is completely true, is you have to know your different audiences and your different segments. And I have to imagine that creatives will vary, you know, whether it's women or men or, or interest subgroups, that the creatives will be matched to those groups. How do you tackle that after the creative side? Meaning if you have two really different styles that are working well, you only have one app store page and then you have the one onboarding flow, right? Um,
1: sure. Uh, there are... Um couple of tricks you can you can use for this type of purposes. I mean, you can always uh, try to create a fake app page and, and try to mimic the, the creative there or meet somewhere in the middle. So you have um, uh, some uh, components from one style of the creatives and then some components of the the different style of the creative. And then meet in, meet in the middle, which can um, and works pretty well for both audiences. It just way of testing. And, uh, and since Google experiments are um, in, in the Google console, which is also like free tool, then it makes your life easier. It just, um, it's a lot of testing, but it's the, that's the UA life.
2: So I was, going to, I was just going to get into the UA life. I mean, operating kind of at scale, you don't just focus on one creative and run it for three months and then focus on the next creative, right? How do you kind of? Uh... Well,
1: the, that was uh, those were the times a couple of years ago when I, I remember when I was at Pixel Federation, we ran this uh, creative for like two years almost, and it was wow. like literally the best perform- best performing creatives ever, and it was um, a screenshot from the game we just uh, animated a little bit. It was performing amazing, really. Two but years. then, like, not, yeah, two years. Well, I, I think, like, if you, if you check uh, Dig This Adventure now, it's still like there are still like variations of these creative um, still there and run, running um, the UA. But now, uh, what I found out is um, actually like using uh, a weekly cycle of uh, refreshing the creatives is um, performing really well. Um, like, depends on the level of spend, but. Sometimes you just need to ref- uh, f- keep those campaigns fresh even on a weekly basis. Um, sometimes when you hit uh, this, like, almost the hero creative, then you can run one month, two months, three months, but that's a rare thing. So in that yeah, case... Yeah, definitely
2: not two years anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: not, not, not anymore. In that case, uh, well, in, in, in the case of, like, weekly um, refreshing the creatives, then we have some process of, uh, like, trying to find the ideas and how we can, uh, implement those quickly in the, in the creatives and, uh, the creative testing.
2: Maybe you could talk through that process a little bit more. So you have, you know, coming up, I guess there's the, the research phase you mentioned of finding the audiences and learning them, coming up with the creatives. What does the process look like? That'll get you, you know, functional creatives for the next month of work. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, we usually start also with the research of the of the audience, but also with the research of the competitors, which is the obvious thing to do, just to have a sense of what the competitors are doing and what's working for them as well. But then combining it with the, in terms of uh, what works for them, with our target audience, with our type of like uh, humor and funny situation, how we can incorporate that in the in the creatives. But that that is happening uh, in in a brainstorming session, which is. Obviously, very tough now during the Corona situation. But there is a Google drawing, I think, tool which we use where everybody is uh, present and they can um, create their um, comments and and tasks and whatever um, just uh, during the brainstorming session. And then after we brainstorm some ideas, we just go through the classic process of back and forth with uh, either game team or if you are an agency with a, with a client and then um, basically create the, the creative and just start testing it. And uh, after you find out uh, the winner, then just testing either, like we're working either on the, in the iterations or uh, just testing a very different process and the circle just starts all over again.
2: How do you know when you have, you know, I'd imagine you probably start with one broader list of ideas and then narrow it down before you actually get to the stage of starting to to really bang it out. How do you decide on which ideas you're moving forward with or not?
1: Well, there is not like very specific uh, KPI for making those decisions. I mean, we obviously look at at either like past performance or if like on the, like something like craziness level of the creative concept, because we we saw for some games that uh, like a level of craziness um, works pretty well. And if it's like more crazy, the better. And we are kind of like a benchmark uh, internally for this because uh, we are also like, I, I play a lot of games and I'm also part of the target audience. So I, if something is really crazy enough and catches my attention, I know it's, it's going to work. Uh, we uh, This is like a bulletproof solutions because we tried, this couple of times that always work. So um, it's a combination of, uh, of these, uh, let's say, KPIs. So uh, past performance, a level, level of craziness of the of the concepts and then um, ready to go.
2: Do you ever reuse uh, concepts? Do you have kind of a, an archive that you tap into every now and again?
1: Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> try to use um, any old evergreen creatives from time to time because uh, I find out that it uh, usually works. Uh, I need some after you just run it for a couple of, well, if it's evergreen or hero creative and we just, we just running for a couple of months, then uh, it needs some time to rest, let's say. And then after, I don't know, half a year or something, well, I don't have a specific uh, number of months, but after some time, just uh, reuse it uh, all over again. And it tends to work. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's sometimes when you're just, you know, desperate enough I uh, just played the old old card and I uh, used the the evergreen creative and see like if that's gonna work again.
2: <laughs> do you have uh you know other than uh pulling the ever the evergreen out of the back pocket is there anything that uh that you really thought should have been amazing and tanked miserably
1: Oh, of course i mean this happened this happened a lot of time before and like any anything like 3D CGI effects really cool expensive um um creative production that but it was really good looking uh and then it just didn't work and uh then there is the really horrible looking creative that looks nothing like uh nothing like uh, like good product production video then I immediately start start to work but then there's the the factor of either like in getting engagements on those uh, creatives, and um, and also like if the the creative is not looking as an ad and it looks <laughs> pretty horrible, then people might might think it's uh, it's um, actually a uh, content from the player. So uh, that works uh, well. But <laughs> course, uh, like, <laughs>
2: you
1: you have to fail you have to fail a lot of times to. To see what's uh, what's working and what's not working, and it's it's part of the process.
2: We always say the um, like the the biggest heartbreak for every designer who worked on a beautiful project when you find ugly converts better. And it just happens <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's I know, the saddest I know. part. Yeah. What do you think has changed the most in the last couple of years? You know, if you look at the day-to-day or maybe the trends that you've been seeing across the industry.
1: Well, um, in terms of like the combination of the creatives and uh, the current landscape, I think the uh, introduction of all these um, uh, event optimized campaigns in the last years and the value optimized campaigns uh, changed also like the uh, how I look on at the, the creatives and the performance of, of those creatives because a lot of uh, a lot of people test the creatives on uh, for like mobile app install optimized campaigns because it's like uh, cheaper and you will see uh, results uh, quickly. But then uh, it might be a little bit misleading because um, when you're looking at app um, event optimized campaigns and purchase optimized campaigns or value optimized campaigns, different type of creatives uh, tends to work because it's di- different type of the audience. So that is something that um, changed a lot, uh, the UA landscape in the last years, and um, and it's still like changing. And now, like you mentioned, the IDFAs, that's going to be a... A different I story. But, yeah, well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So uh, it's it's gonna be really adventurous, but it's it's gonna change everything and also the creative testing. So now also like Facebook introduced triple uh, campaigns, which is uh, the UAC equivalent for Facebook. And then there is also like um, a very big big difference between the the creative change uh, the creative um, testing because now if you are Looking at the regular campaigns and cre- testing creative, there it's they are not performing the same as the tr- as if they are in the AAA play campaigns. So now, well, fun times to be uh, to be a manager in uh, in the in the gaming world, definitely, definitely
2: not boring. Um, oh, no, not not no. at <laughs> all. You touched on uh, when we were talking about your KPIs. You touched on kind of the difference between soft launch and uh, and maintaining a game. I'm interested in from the UA side in terms of how you're approaching users or in terms of, you know, kind of strategy, before you start looking at, at your bottom goals, is there anything that's very different between that initial introduction um, to kind of maintaining something that's been around for a while?
1: Well, it needs to be it needs to be different. Um, for example, like running the UA in soft launch and, uh, and for all these stages like tech stage and, and retention stage and monetization stages is going to be different because you're, Um, like geos are limited you you can't just well you can't spend whatever you like whatever it's on your bank account just to get uh, enough data to to kick in but um, that's uh, it's going to be limited and it's definitely um, different than when you're looking at the the large-scale ua on uh, the live game afterwards Uh, in the monetization stage there there is a possibility and like should be done, um, like an introduction of multiple UA channels just to, to test the waters before the going global, which then you can leverage afterwards. Um, so it is definitely different. I right, need to just uh, keep in mind uh, what are you trying to achieve, uh, which um, I said like the different KPIs are, uh, well, the KPIs are different in the different stages of the soft launch and obviously in different, uh, also they're different after launch. Because then after launch, you need to take a look at, um, at the payback window and uh, say if you're um, aiming for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever days, uh, and then uh, adjust the strategy to that goal.
2: Makes sense. And how do you tie organics into this whole picture? Um, do you guys look at organics as a factor of UA? Is it its own world?
1: It's... um. It's a combination. I mean, um, I'm looking at the at the organics as a, as a separate factor. I'm trying to look at the like the paid ROAS um, all the time, and then um, some companies use um, some kind of um, coefficient, um, like using twenty percent uplift, or sometimes sometimes you use a blended approach where you count all the organics in inside. Depends on the level of spend, of course. Uh, i usually look um at the paid only and then everything on the organic side is just a really
2: nice bonus bonus yep. <laughs> then you're never disappointed yeah exactly can be
1: slightly yeah. you know it can be misleading a little bit when you look at the blended uh, or you doing these um uh, uplifts because then uh, organics might work better than the ua which obviously should not happen but can happen um, after all, and then um, you are not running um, the UA effectively, and uh, that's, that's definitely not what you were you should, supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. You keep it kind of clean, just so you know that you're working on the factor that's within your control, and uh, you know that your everything else is is nice to have. What do you do when you hit? Uh, you know, you're in kind of a stagnation or a decay, so none of your campaigns seem to be doing what you need them to do, or you're not getting the the KPIs that you you need to hit? How do you uh, reset that?
1: Yeah, it, uh, but, you know, it, it happens uh, um, sometimes uh, or multiple times during the, the year because of uh, whatever factors, corona, seasonality, product is, uh, is stagnating as well. So you need to uh, keep in mind, like where to like hit the gas and when to push back a little bit because you just, you know, you can't just grow all the time Oh well, you can, but I uh, need to have a really great, a really good product uh, on your hand. So uh, it's usually uh, com- like conversation with the product team um, and see and looking at the pipeline um, and uh, like based on the new features or, or the features uh, that are already in the game. Based on that, like time spent. If I'm like stagnating on uh, on a different level of spend, um, sometimes uh, I just look at the, at what worked before in the past and try to recreate that success again. Uh, try to rec- uh, like reset the all the older learnings uh, because that uh, that worked pretty well for me in the past. Uh, to be honest, and um, and you just need to know like when to push back a little bit when you see like the, there is uh, some kind of like slow um on like your rust curves are not increasing that well enough uh, in the last couple of days and there is a signal that okay so why just we don't slow down a little bit rethink the the whole creative uh, structure and uh, the creative process then um, look at the audiences and uh, what kind of um, different type of audiences we are now targeting and getting into the game and then you know, restructure the campaign logic um, and take it from there. Let's
2: talk about audiences for a second, because it's also in the research stage. knowing your audience is something that's so critical. How do, you, how do you define the audience? Is it based on your existing body of users? Is it based on research? Do you go broad and then just start narrowing and narrowing once you get the data in?
1: Very good question. Uh, I will give you the, the classic answer. It depends. But now, well, for example, in uh, let's take the soft launch um, process, I usually go when I'm talking about the, the targeting of the, on the UA side, like going from broad to narrowing it down um, piece by piece, saying broad targeting and then going through broad interest then competitor interest and then building lookalikes now that's change, that's uh, that's changing because of the triple campaigns but um i still think and i uh, feel that uh, the triple campaigns um, are not the best fit for soft launch just now uh but will be probably in the future and uh but i'm looking at the um, at the competitors um looking at the, like what kind of audience they have trying to match it with uh, with the game uh, we have at the moment Then there are a lot of tools you can leverage like 12Trades or Quantic Foundry, I think. Uh, They have a lot of very nice, um, even free articles about uh, the type of audiences. So combining this and also you can can take a look at the Facebook Audience Insights um, if there is not anything else that you can check. So it's a combination of all all these um, activities.
2: And how do you in a in a dream world, it doesn't have to be how it is today, but how should UA be working with other departments? You know, what's the right balance of focusing on on your zone versus tying all strategies in together and, and making sure you have a cohesive vision?
1: Well, I think uh the UA department should be in a very close contact with the with the product team. Um doesn't necessarily need to be on a daily basis, but at least like um, on a weekly basis, just everybody know uh, what's going on on both sides because you know sometimes when you are running the some type of like product A/B tests, uh, the UA traffic can influence the results pretty pretty in, 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 uh, pretty significantly. So everybody needs to know what's going on. So in the perfect world, these uh, two um, uh, departments are working very closely. Then uh, the third party there should be the BI team so uh and uh and this is what we found again soft launch that the, like uh, the bi team product team and the ua team should be like they should be the very best friends um and check everything uh every day together and uh, everybody should be on the same page so in in, uh, in the beautiful world these three departments work very closely together but also you know um the UA team uh, should, be, should be able to also um, work very closely with all the old execs because they need to understand why you are pulling back with, uh, with the spend, what are you doing on the, on the UA side, why you are targeting this, why you are um, implementing new channels and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that's uh, but it's happening in, in, at least in a couple of uh, companies already. So the beautiful world is, is here. <laughs>
2: all right let's say you go back uh three years you get to uh change something fundamental you can do something completely different that you didn't do then what would you change oh i wouldn't
1: change anything i wouldn't change anything really i mean i made a lot of mistakes but that's uh that's the part of life uh, and i'm proud of making those mistakes and they um, actually helped me to kind of improve of uh on what i do so I wouldn't change really anything. Um, I think everything's happened for a reason. So uh, that's how I, I look at, the, at the, the UA life and the, the life in general.
2: <laughs> Very positive way to look. <laughs> I think you're the first yeah. person who said absolutely nothing, believe it or not. <laughs> <Good>. um, <laughs> Okay, so now a uh, quick fire round questions that we ask everyone. First one is, if you have somebody who's just starting out looking to be in mobile growth and uh, and expanding their marketing, what's the one tip that you would give them?
1: One tip to give, um, sign up for mobile dev memo or quantmar.com to get uh, all the insights uh, you can get and just read all through. Because there are a lot of questions and then uh, there are a lot of answers also. From the experts that um, know the, what they are talking about.
2: Right, well, you really ruined my next question, which was, "What's the best resource for uh, for learning about mobile growth?" There you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Two in one.
2: <laughs> All right. Let's say uh, Corona's a, a thing of the past. You get to take anybody in the industry that you want out to lunch. Uh, who are you taking?
1: Uh, I would take uh, my. Um, my Facebook um, rep at the moment, he, he's uh, very helpful and we're uh, pretty eager to to meet him in person. He's a great guy. Oh,
2: that's a very nice answer. You went for the... I like that you didn't go for the the high level of, uh, you know, I'll take uh, whoever's <laughs> making the decisions. Yeah. Good answer. Okay. Most important question. What is your favorite flavor of pancake?
1: Ooh. Um... I really like uh, the peanut butter jelly pancakes.
2: Okay, and if people want to uh, know more about you, hear a little bit more from you, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, just add me on LinkedIn. Um, that's the main uh, main social network for me.
2: Perfect, all right, Matei, thank you so much. Thank you very much.
0: And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve app store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.